And that's what I pray this sermon does today for you, is serves you in helping you rest in Him alone. I want to thank you for obeying the Lord with joy and singing out in praise. So beautiful. You're a beautiful choir. And I know this choir is made up of some people who can really sing and others who cannot. So thank you for drowning me out and allowing me to sing with joy and not worry about who might hear me and be grieved. No, thank you for stepping outside your comfort zone. You know, following most of the paths of following Christ are outside our comfort zone. Our comfort zone is a prison we need to break out of so we can follow Christ. And I know some of you and more and more of you have taken the exhortation seriously and have begun to sing out His praise. And it's a blessing. So thank you. Thank you very much. And a lot of what we've sung today will go right with... Uh, the sermon today. If you'll open back up to Romans chapter 8, if you have your Bible with you, if you'll, it'll be on the slides as well. I'm excited about this text today and there's no telling where I might go. I've got notes and I will try to stick with them. I'm excited about all of God's Word, but just such a beautiful, beautiful text here. I'm going to zero you in on verse 1 of chapter 8 and try to drill it into your heart. So I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and pray. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, the very word of God. May the spirit of God cause your word to run and be glorified. I pray for every heart to be different as a result of being here today, not because of anything I might do, but because of everything you will do with your word, by your spirit. Cause us, as we have sung, to rest in Christ alone. So bless me and help me to preach your word in the power of the spirit. And bless us and help us to hear it in the power of the spirit. And to look to Christ, who is our sufficiency and strength and righteousness and salvation and redemption. The one who took our condemnation so that we never have to face it. So we cry out to you this morning and pray for your blessing. And we trust you for it, knowing it to be your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The storm was raging outside. The flood growing ever and ever deeper. Just imagine what was accompanying that rain. Just torrential rain pour. Probably thunder, lightning. All these things that are very, very frightening going on. 
beating upon that ark and maybe as big as it was, tossing it around a bit. People inside were perfectly safe. The ark took the beating so that the people would be preserved and be safe. See, they were in there because they trusted God. They used His method of escape for the coming wrath which was promised. They went into God's provided salvation. And that ark is a type and a shadow and a picture of a much greater ark and a much greater deliverance. It's a picture of Jesus, God's true and greater ark, God's true and greater salvation. Here's just a few similarities between the ark of wood that preserved Noah and his family and the ark which is Christ who on that cross of wood saved and preserved His people. Number one, there was only one ark. And there is only one Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, it took faith to enter that door. And not many went in. But those who did trust God were safe. Number three, Noah's message was ridiculed as he preached, judgment is coming. The people laughed and the people mocked and derided him until those raindrops started to fall. But the door had been shut. Many mock Christ today. Many mock Christians. Many mock the gospel and consider it foolish. And God said that would be the response of the world. Number four, the ark took the beating. The ark went through the storm. It took the fury of the wrath, but kept safe inside that small remnant of people. Shielded them from condemnation with the world. Christ took the wrath of God for His people upon Himself. He took our sin. He took our guilt. He paid our penalty. He took our condemnation upon Himself. He took His wrath for all who are in Him by faith. And He delivers us safely to the shores of the new heavens and the new earth. Safety from condemnation. That's really what verse 1... I mean, that's the glorious message of verse 1. No condemnation. And I was struck afresh as I was preparing, trying to decide what to preach again and just lit on verse 1. I was struck afresh with the majesty of this verse of Scripture. There is so much here. And it seems to me that this one little verse summarizes all of Scripture. This one little verse puts before us the plan of redemption. This one little verse puts before us what was planned before there was a creation in eternity past when the Father 
gave a people to his son. And the son covenanted or agreed to come and be their savior and the spirit to apply that redemption. And Jesus came and he fulfilled all the types and shadows of the Old Testament. He died on the cross for the sins of his people. Having lived for their righteousness and fulfilling the law, he died on the cross to pay for the sins of his people and was raised from the grave, proving it all to be true. And he will take us all the way home. Because for us, there is left no condemnation. Because he drank it all. God's plan of redemption in one verse. To deliver a people from sin and condemnation in Christ. See, this little verse is kind of a hinge in the book of Romans. It concludes what has preceded it and connects to what follows. And we're about to dig into what the scripture means by the spirit-filled life as we move forward in chapter 8. But first, we're going to renew our hope in God's glorious, all-sufficient grace and have this verse root our stance more firmly in His grace before we talk about living in the power of the Spirit. Knowing God's verdict over us, knowing our justification, really dwelling there is what we need before we move into God's provision of power and how He calls us to live. So simple main point today, if you are in Christ, you will never be condemned by God for your sin. If you are in Christ, you will never be condemned by God for your sin. Look first at a glorious promise in the first half of that verse. There is therefore no condemnation. Now literally, and, and some translations catch this, the construction there shows us that therefore should be the first word. That's the turn. That's the hinge. That's... The, it's, it's, it's the, it, in, it, it should be the first word in the English sentence. And so it's connecting us with what has preceded. It's a summary and a conclusion of everything that has preceded, to be quite honest. It connects us back to chapter 3 through 5 as we talk about our justification. And then into 6 as we got a theology of our sanctification and saw that we're no longer slaves if we're in Christ. We went into chapter 7 and saw the relationship of the law to the unbeliever and believer and saw that self-righteousness is a futile hope that, that even as believers we don't perfectly keep God's law and that's what grieved Paul. But specifically as we saw chapter 6 verse 14, you're not under law but under grace. And then moved over into 7, 1, 1 through 6 and talk about dying to the law. What did we see there? We're dying to the law's condemnation of us. We're dying to the law as that first use of the mirror that shows us our sin and how far short we fall and that we need a Savior. That use of the law that brings condemnation for everyone who hasn't perfectly kept God's law. But Paul says, we, those of us who have trusted in Christ, have died to the law in that way. Why? Because Christ took our guilt and our condemnation on Himself. So He takes us right here in this little verse, which wasn't chapter 8 when He wrote it. There were no chapters when Paul wrote 
letter to the Romans. They are helpful, not inspired. Therefore, based on what I have told you up till now, and you embracing your justification, that through faith in Christ you've been pardoned for all of your sins and accepted as righteousness of, righteous in Christ only for the righteous, imputed to you, credited to you, and received by faith alone. In Christ you've died to the reign of sin. And you've died to the condemning power of the law. Christ has lived for you. Christ has died for you. He's been raised for you. He's reigning for you. He's coming again someday. And when He comes, you'll be like Him. So in this good and great news of no condemnation, He's preparing us for what will follow in verse 2 and forward, the Spirit-filled life. Grace gives us a verdict of righteous, therefore no condemnation, as well as a power to live life. And we'll begin talking about that power next time. But look what it says in the ESV. There is therefore, what's that next little word? Now. There is now. There is now in the present time, in this present era, there's an opportunity and there's a truth over God's people that though they're not glorified yet, there's a great thing being said. There's, an, there's been an inauguration of a new era. An era in which the believer in Christ is not under the law. is freed from the tyranny of the law as a harsh, threatening taskmaster. Today, now, this time, presently, is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the favorable time, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the time when you can come in and dwell in this ark, which is Christ, and know and embrace this, this good news that therefore now there's no condemnation. Look at it. For those who are trusting in Jesus, this is true. No condemnation. Sometimes we feel condemned, don't we? Sometimes we feel like we're barely hanging on by our fingernail. Sometimes we can't forget the sins of the past and we think because we can't forget them, God's still holding them against us. But look at this. No condemnation. How can that be? How can there be no condemnation for us? Who did Christ die for? Sinners, get that out of the way. Who did Christ die for? We've already seen it in Romans. His enemies. He died for His enemies. He died for the ungodly. He died to bring His enemies to Himself in faith. To bring them into a place where there would be no condemnation. So how can that be? Well, shorthand, I've already mentioned it. He first came to live in fulfillment of all righteousness. To provide a righteous status, a righteous standing for His people who don't have one in and of themselves who are enemies of God and of Christ in and of themselves. 
He kept that law in thought, word, and deed perfectly. He never sinned. He was that spotless and pure Lamb of God predicted by that Old Testament and required in those Old Testament sacrifices, pointing us forward to the Lamb of God, the pure, perfect, spotless Lamb who deserved only blessing, who fulfilled all righteousness for the glory of His Father and for His people, who deserved blessing but took condemnation too. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. The soul that sins shall die. And that is a spiritual death as well as a physical death. Yes, physical death, but spiritual death. The soul that sins shall be condemned. Be under condemnation. Experience the wrath of God. And it's an infinite wrath because it's an infinite God we have offended. But Jesus paid our penalty. The scripture puts it this way. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised the third day. All of that according to the scriptures. And the first part of that chapter, that's the good news by which you are saved. God doesn't call you to do your best and he'll do the rest. Because your best is a mess. And if you know yourself, you know that. He accepts no messes. Not the reason He accepts them. And that's good news for us. We can realize how far short. We've not kept any of His commandments. We've not always lived only for the true and living God. We've never, we've not ne- we have not never blasphemed His name or worshipped Him in the way He's commanded us. We've not honored Him on one day out of seven from the heart. We've not, we have been angry without cause and stolen and lied and, and coveted things that are not... I mean, if we're knowing ourselves, we'll see that that law has driven us to the fact that we need a Savior, and this Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. See, condemnation is the curse of the law. If you've been reading the law, and you can see it in Galatians, that it threatens a curse for those who don't keep everything written in the book of the law. So it's not like it's okay to, you know, I've kept 20, 50% of it and you have only kept 25% of it, so I'm going to be okay. No, less than 100% failure, condemnation, loss. God is holy and pure and righteous. He cannot accept sin. That's why we need a Savior. And the law calls for judgment and wrath on the sinner. And outside of Christ, just like outside of that ark, Everyone awaits the judgment that they currently mock. And listen, if we don't accept the gospel in some form or the other, we're mocking God's justice. But Christ took our place. Those who will trust Him, those who were given to Him before the foundation of the world. He took our condemnation and He gave us His righteousness and we are free. We are no longer under the law but under grace, 6.14 told us. We've died to the law. It's condemning power, 7.1 through 6. So look back at your verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. True of you. If you're trusting Christ, look at those words. Listen, if you're not trusting Christ, take the no off of that. If you're not trusting Christ, 
there is condemnation because we, we, won't, we haven't perfectly kept God's law. We haven't honored Him as our Creator and served Him the way we should. And He's holy and He, he must judge sin. So if you're not in Christ this morning, take the no off of that. The only thing that's left is condemnation. And you might be having a really good time outside that ark right now. Oh, I'll do that later. Oh, that's a bunch of foolishness. Oh, And just like when those raindrops started to fall, that door had already been sealed. There's coming a time when it will be too late. But believer, look at those words. No condemnation. True of you if you're trusting in Christ. Listen, no greater words could ever be spoken to you. This is another way of sharing the glorious gospel. There's no condemnation because Christ took it. Rest in it. Believe it. This does not mean that God simply overlooked our sin as a grandparent does. And you grandparents know how bad you are about that. No, it means that He's taken away our sin and that He has made us perfectly righteous. The only way there can be no condemnation for us is that we are perfectly righteous. Not mostly righteous. Not 99% righteous. It's kind of like being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either righteous or you're not. And if you're in Christ, your status before the throne of God is no condemnation. No wrath left. Flip it. Righteous. That's justification, the declaration of righteousness. In Christ, and that's where we're going, look at glorious union in the second half of the verse. He tells us who this good news is for. There is therefore now no condemnation limiting here, of course, for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And don't get tripped up by the fact whether or not the, the rest of that, who walk according to the flesh, but not... Not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The best manuscripts don't have that in verse 1, but it's right there in verse 4. So nobody's taking anything out of God's Word. Just trying to be right on what was originally there. All right, I've said it. I'm going to move on. For those who are in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? Well, we've talked a lot about that. Go back to chapter 6 in the first part of the verse and on through. We've talked about our union with Christ, being in a faith union with Christ. See, the Spirit of God through the Word of God works faith in us so that we, He unites us to Christ. He hides us in Christ. We trust Jesus and we're baptized into Christ and into the body of Christ. We're placed in that true and greater ark which is Jesus through faith. To be in Christ is to be hidden in Christ. It's to be safe from wrath. It's to be tucked away in the true and greater ark. In Him is to be loved and safe and holy and blameless and righteous. Let me ask you a question. As you sit here this morning, do you see yourself as loved by God, as safe, as blameless, as righteous? As righteous as Jesus is, do you see that yourself that way? If you don't, you're not living in the gospel enough. No, I know your performance is not that. But we're not talking about that. 
We're talking about our justification, our being made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ because He lived for us and died for us and was raised and is reigning for us. I've said this before, if we're gonna, but, I'm, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm drilling it a little bit this morning. If we're going to live the Spirit-filled life, if we're going to walk in the power of the Spirit, it won't be because we've lined everything up right and howled and cried enough and waited. And, and No, it won't be that. It'll be because we've adopted our position in Christ. We know who we are. We are blessed and beloved children of God to whom He promises to give His Spirit. Amen. He calls on us for nothing but faith. Look at, hear Jesus. Those who are, who are in Him are holy and blameless and safe under no condemnation because He took it righteous. Look what He says in 3.18 in John. Whoever believes in Him, who? Jesus. Is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Not that everybody will be condemned by whether or not they believe in Jesus. It's just Jesus is the only way out of that condemnation. We are condemned because of our sin. But look what he says in the first part of the verse. Whoever believes is not condemned. The Son of God. The light of the world. See, that's our text. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, preacher, but you don't know what I've done. No, no, I don't, but I know what Jesus did. I know what He did. He took the wrath of God and drank that cup dry on that cross and said it is finished. And you're no special person. You're not terminally unique. If you're trusting Jesus, you're either forgiven of all of it or none of it. If you're in Christ, it's gone. In the heart of the sea, as far as the east is from the west, your sin has been taken away from you as the scapegoat went into the wilderness because the penalty was paid. By that atonement. And Christ tells us that whoever believes in Him is not condemned. So own that negative side. For you, you're not condemned through faith in Jesus. Meaning you are righteous in Jesus. When He said it was finished, He said it, He meant it was finished. The debt was paid. Some of you don't believe it fully. There's still this remnant of unbelief. It can't be that good. It can't be this free gift. God really can't forgive me for that. Well, he forgave Paul for killing the church. And Paul said he was the chief of sinners, so you must not be the chief of sinners. And if you forgave him, guess what? He'll forgive you. And if you're trusting in Jesus, he has forgiven you, no matter how you feel. It doesn't depend on your feelings. Your feelings, look at me. Your feelings don't determine squat about who you are, about what this world is, about the gospel or anything else. They're just your feelings. They're not objective reality other than just being how you feel. I might feel like a turtle, but that don't make me one. Sometimes I feel that slow. There's a lot of confusion out there in the world. But we don't want to primarily be beating people up for their confusion. We want to be bringing them this good news of the gospel. But listen, if God created you a boy, there ain't nothing you can do about it. Or a girl. And I don't know why I'm running down this trail, but that's the confusion that's all around us right now. 
We've raised kids who think they're the center of the world, who've never had to go undergo any hardship, who have not been raised to trust in God, so they are their own authority. You've cut stuff. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get back to the good news. Here we go. <clears throat> Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. What does that mean? Christ took our guilt. He knew no sin. He was a perfect, unblemished spot, lamb of God, but he took our guilt upon himself and paid that penalty. This is another gospel, but look at the outflow of it. He took our sin and its curse, and He drank it dry, so that in Him, you see it? Who are in Christ Jesus. So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, you have the righteousness God requires to accept you into His family. And if He's accepted you into His family, you're in His family. He doesn't disown his kids. Now, there's some kids, there's some people claiming to be in his family that are not in his family, right? And he sorts that out. But Jesus took our sins so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why should I live a, a, a righteous life? Why should I pursue righteousness? Look at Colossians 3.12, and I encourage you to read it. He tells us to own our identity before He tells us what to do, doesn't He? He tells us who we are before He tells us what to do. So if you're trusting in Jesus Christ this morning, this is true of you. Look what He says. Put on then as who you are. Put on then as God's chosen ones. If you're struggling with that, come to the Doctors of Grace class we're doing. Listen to the recordings. Lovingly, I say, get over it. If you're trusting in Jesus, it's because He chose you. And there's security in that. But look at this. Put on then as God's chosen ones put in there who are. Look at the next two words. Holy and beloved. If you are in Christ, in Him you are holy and beloved of God. Now that will put some gas in your tank if you'll own it. But notice how he, he roots us in the gospel before he gives us, tells us what to do. And if you really get the gospel, you will be compassionate to those around you. And on the list goes. Put on then as God's chosen ones who are holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. In other words, walk like Jesus walked. But notice that verse tells us that we are chosen and holy and beloved. For us there is no condemnation. What Peter says in 1.3 is kind of the same thing we see there. Peter says in, I mean, I'm sorry, 1.13, 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. What does that mean? We're, we're, faith is a fight. We're preparing our mind for that fight. And to be sober-minded in this context doesn't mean we're not drunk. It means we're thinking rightly. This is how we think gospelly. This is how we think rightly, Peter says. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Now watch what a sober mind, how it thinks. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So our hope is to be fully set on grace. And in the, ve in the next verse, he goes on to talk about, therefore, be holy as God is holy. Right? But he, he wants to root us in grace before we think about what to do.
set your hope fully on God's grace. Because it is grace that justifies, or God through by grace justifies. It's an act of God's grace where He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ which has been credited to us and received by faith alone. Grace justifies, grace sanctifies, grace glorifies all because those people who were chosen in eternity past, saved in time, are hidden in Christ the ark and will be taken all the way through home to deliverance. We're cleansed, we're clothed, we're perfectly righteous before the judgment bar of God. And when I say we, I mean those who are trusting in Christ. Even a weak faith in the right thing is what counts. Don't look at how much faith you have. You don't have a meter inside you to tell you that anyway. You're going to your feelings again. We're navel gazing. Do I feel like I have faith? No, I must not have any. That's a heck of a roller coaster to ride. No. Look to Christ. Look to the gospel. Trust in Him. Some days your feelings come along and some days they won't. But focus on the truth of who God says you are in Jesus. Because this faith union with Christ brings us the glorious legal declaration of no condemnation. In Christ Jesus there. You see it all over Scripture. In Him. In Christ. In Christ Jesus. It's, it's a statement of our union with Him, of our being hidden in Him as our true and greater art. Louis Burkhoff put it this way, and you, you've heard this before when we were talking about union. But his definition, union with Christ is that intimate, vital, and spiritual union between Christ and His people in virtue of which He is the source of their life and strength and of their blessedness and salvation. See, this is what gives us sure footing in the battle for faith that is this life. In the battle for growth. In the battle to follow Jesus. This legal declaration, this verdict of no condemnation. This having our hopes rooted and grounded in grace and not our performance. You're familiar with Ephesians chapter 6 and the armor of God and the way it, it's, it's using uh, the armor of a Roman soldier to picture how we are to be dressed for the battle and, and, and we need to get the message of those things not just make them a rote prayer thinking it's some sort of magic that will protect us. But in 6.15, as part of that armor, he said, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. <clears throat> We're not very familiar with a, a Roman soldier's boots or shoes, right? But we are. Guys and gals who play sports and wear cleats, what are the cleats for? To give you sure footing. You play golf? Try playing golf on, on some ice. No, the, these shoes give you sure footing. And what gives you sure footing, Paul says, is this good news of peace. This gospel of peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that in 5.1. Through faith, trusting in Christ, 
even a little bit of faith in the right place in Christ. Notice, notice, notice all of these scriptures never say anything about how much faith you have. It's just where your faith is placed. Where's your hope? Is it in Jesus or you? That's the diagnostic question. If I'm going to get into heaven, what am I trusting in to get me there? Jesus. See, your war, your war boots, and we live in a status of war, your war boots have to have long cleats that dig into and stand firm in the ground of God's amazing grace. Because you know you don't deserve it. It is amazing. Just like the hymn we sing, that saved a wretch like me. Part of getting saved is realizing you're a wretch, so you'll hope outside yourself and trust in Jesus. And the reason a lot of people don't like that hymn in the church today is we got a lot of goats among the sheep who haven't embraced the fact that they are filthy rags apart from Jesus. But that's not an apology for that hymn this morning. But your, your shoes, your gospel shoes have to be rooted and grounded in God's grace, not in you. That's what Peter was telling us, hope in his grace. That's what Paul is telling us. He's telling us, he's giving us one more shake by the shoulders to say, know who you are and know what is true of you. And what is true of you, if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, is no condemnation. Look at it. Look at it. Look at the verse. No condemnation. Even though you struggle, no condemnation. Even though you're weak, no condemnation. Even though the Christian life seems like a never-ending war. Isn't that what Paul said in 7.25? No condemnation. You're either condemned or you're not. And if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, you're not. Are you trusting in Jesus this morning? That is the question. A couple of points of application and I'll quit. Number one, believe the gospel. You say, well, I'm a believer. I don't care. Believe the gospel. If you're not owning who you are in Christ, remember how we started this morning. Do you think of yourself these ways? And if you're not, if you don't think of yourself as holy and beloved and righteous and accepted in the beloved and part of God's family, it's just simply telling you you're not miring up in the gospel every day so that you're owning who you are in Jesus. Yes, certainly, if, if, if you're not a believer, if you're not trusting in Christ, believe the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised the third day. He's reigning. He's coming again. And He offers salvation to you as a free gift. Will you repent? Will you turn from going your own way and pursuing your joy in sin to turn to God and receive His Son as your Savior? Will you trust in Christ and Christ alone? I mean, the the tax collector simply beat his breast and said, Have mercy on me, a sinner. His heart had been changed, see? Has your heart been changed? Are you try- do you love Jesus? Are you seeking to follow Him because He died for you? Do you own who you are in Him? Believe the gospel, whether for the first time or for the thousandth time as a believer. Do believers need the gospel? Just as much as unbelievers do. You need it every single day to reset yourself away from that hardwired default setting of legalism that dwells in you. To looking to Christ and depending on Him. Believe, trust in Christ as your ark, and know that in Him for you is no condemnation.
Therefore, number two, rest. Rest. Get off the treadmill of performance and rest. Lay down in His arms. I believe you. I trust you. I'm new. New creation in you. Yes, the war still rages and you're even going to empower me to deal with that as we'll see as we go forward. But Christ is our salvation. His death, His burial, His resurrection is sufficient for you. It assures His love. And He says He rejects none who come to Him in faith. And He beckons you, believer, to His throne of grace. Hebrews 4, to find mercy and grace in your time of need. Drop your heavy bag of unbelief and guilt. Drop it at the foot of the cross. Believe God's glorious promise. For all those in Christ, there is no condemnation. Look at the verse again. Go home and look at the verse. Meditate on the verse. Don't forget, please don't forget, that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look at that summary of the Bible. Look at that summary of the plan of redemption. Look at Christ in the center. Trust Him and know that there's no condemnation. Rest all of your hope in Jesus and you will not be disappointed. Let's read it one more time. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in, G in Christ Jesus. So believe and rest. Are you in the true and greater ark, the Lord Jesus Christ? Then this glorious promise is yours. No condemnation. If you're not, listen to me, I'm almost done. If you're not in this ark, if you're not trusting in Jesus, God's command to you today is to repent and trust His Son. Read the end of Acts chapter 17. You'll see that's a command. Turn and believe in Jesus. Trust in Him or face condemnation. Listen, by God's grace, the door to this ark is still open. The gangplank is still in place. There's still opportunity to walk in by faith. Put down all of your best efforts and all of your sin and enter the ark which is Christ by faith, trusting in Christ alone. Cry out to Him, and He will save you. I promise. Listen, here's His words in John 5, 24 from the Net Bible. I tell you the solemn truth. The one who hears my message and believes the one who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, but has crossed over from death to life. Remember our main point. If you are in Christ, if you are trusting in Him alone, you will never be condemned by God for your sin. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us to believe this glorious good news. If we've not trusted Christ, if we are as of yet outside of the true and greater ark which is Christ, if we are not in and protected by your deliverance in Christ, I pray for repentance and faith, Lord.
to be worked in hearts as your word goes forth. And those of us who know you, Lord, I pray that we'll go home this evening and think about no condemnation. That we'll get up in the morning and remember that for us there is no condemnation. Why? Because you loved us from before the foundation of the world. It's not that we loved you, but you loved us and sent your son to be the propitiation for our sins. Christ died for our sins. The penalty is paid. It is finished. Help us to dwell there. Help us to dwell there. Accepted in the beloved. Help us to believe and trust in Christ and own our status of righteous, of holy, of beloved, of no condemnation. Do a mighty work of your grace, Lord, we pray. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.